All right, folks, and we are live. A little late, but live. Yeah. Sorry for being just a couple minutes late. It's uh, just one or two extra pieces to get the puppies up here and set up. Two cameras. (sighs) Here we are. All the things. Looks like we have a few folks checking in. Have a question for you. We tried something new this week. I believe it was in there. Um, the, the, the little trailer thing. Did you guys see the trailer while you were waiting before we popped in? A. And um, do you... B, did you like it? Did you like the trailer? Kind of two, two big questions there to start off this evening. I want to roll through here quick. quick. <laughs> yes, Miss Kelly. I hit the record button. Let's see here. It says, hey, uh, do you have any tips for breeding dogs? All right, let's check check-ins. Checking in early. Pennsylvania, North Carolina. Oregon. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yes, Merry Christmas. Little puppies playing. Um, let's see here. Santa Merry Barbara, Christmas. California. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ah, hey, love it. Hey, Angelos. Stony Creek, New York. Love it. I knew you wouldn't miss this one for the world. Cruz Lopez. Hey, how's Boone doing? I think I need Melanie and Duncan in Minnesota. Hi, Melanie. And Scott Clark from Ontario. Emily Cox from Bend, Oregon. Hey, guys. How are your puppies doing? We've got North Dakota, Utah, Arizona, Oklahoma, Indiana, Texas, Washington. Hawaii. Hey, hey. The Big Island. I love it. I have a Doberman. Excellent. Merry Christmas. From Vegas. Vum, vum. I don't know what that means. I don't know. Egypt. Heck yeah, that's cool. Raising the first puppy. Awesome. So for those of you that are new, we like to start off by giving just a quickie here. Um, This is Yawa. You ask, we answer. This is our podcast about dog training and hunting and other related things. And puppies. And the seven and puppies specifically this evening. So you ask, we answer. Have a topic of conversation that we typically chat with you guys about. This time we're also showing you cute puppies, and then at the end we answer questions. So if you're popping in with some questions, that's something that we will get to at the end. Uh, we do give priority to super chats because while this is live, still blurry, uh, we don't monetize this. So. Because we heard through the grapevine a while ago that it was doing tons of ads. So we will give priority to Super Chats um, because people obviously pay to get their answer questioned. Yeah. Question answered. But, uh, Yawa, that is it. That is what we're here to do. And this evening, specifically, we have a couple really cool things to talk about. Um, But before we kick this off 100%, we want to say one thank you to patrons. Um, Patrons are the biggest sponsor, if you will, of everything that we do. And what that is, uh, a lot of you probably heard of being a patron of something, right? A supporter, a um, and typically financially so. The Patreon community that we have set up is another platform similar to Facebook or Instagram. Um, You can go there, but it is subscription based to help creators now. Um, Kat and I felt like it seemed a little GoFundMe to set up a... We didn't feel comfortable with just, hey, give us your money for making the content. 
we wanted to give something back. And that's where when people join Patreon, depending on the tier that they join at, we can help them answer questions. We can set up phone calls, watch videos of their training sessions, give them feedback. Um, so if people are following along with our content, trying to do it at home with their own dog and running into a hiccup or a struggle that their puppy or dog isn't following along exactly like one of our playlists, then we can give them some added advice and guidance. So, um, all of that being said, um, the folks that are on Patreon supporting us are the folks that, that make all of this possible. The equipment, the time, the videos, and it is a community that allows us to answer your questions and help guide you through the videos that we put out for free. So if you want to see the videos, you want to try it yourself, that's great. If you run into some hiccups and need help, that's the best place to reach out to us. That's what we make the priority every day um, where all of the questions that come in through emails and social media platforms and everything, um, that is that is the priority. So if you feel like you like us, the content, and want to do need help or want to give back, that is, in fact, the best place to do it, patreon.com slash standing stone kennels. All right. Let's go ahead and get started. I've got... What you guys have all been waiting for, actually based on the uh, vote and the poll that we put out on Instagram, it was not what you guys were all here to see, was the story of the bobblehead. You were here for the puppies. So, so. for Christmas, from our employees, we got a bobblehead version of us. Ourselves. Which I think is... Crazy cool. Freaking hilarious. Yeah. Look at that. It looks just like you. It does, but it won't pull. There it goes. Hey, hey, look at him bobble. All right, super cool. I just wanted to say, look at this, first of all, and a thank you to our employees who are awesome. Now, moving forward, um, we've got a couple fun things to go over. Why don't you send that note to me since you keep losing it? Oh, come on now. It's there. <laughs> We, um, we try and make an outline so we can stay somewhat organized and not digress into talking about, you know, everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the things that we wanted to say as far as upcoming events and stuff goes specifically, we have this fun little litter of puppies who are all spoken for folks um, are going home. Next Sunday, the second, second, because um, typically our puppy sent homes are on Saturdays, but with Saturday being the first and holidays Mm -hmm. and travel and things like that, uh, we pushed it back a day. And so they'll be going home Sunday, which is exciting for everybody to get their puppies. This is the Quest Thunder Litter. If you guys um, haven't been following along or didn't really know, uh, they are seven weeks old and a ball of energy at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And um, speaking of other puppies, we have a new, brand new puppy, Clay. His first video just came out this week where we introduce him and kind of explain what we're going to be trying to do. It's going to be another series, but we're doing our best to be as inclusive in this series as is possible. Clay is a muddy rooster puppy. Absolutely a doll. Um, He is fun, spunky, cooperative, and pretty low key. Um, kind of a fun thing. You need a balance in a breeding program. You need dogs that can, um, complement other dogs and not all dogs are going to be the same. There is no magic, you know, 50, 50% complete division of family dog hunting dog line that we can magically stand on. 
So we we try and float the line. Sometimes you end up a little on the high side, sometimes on the low side, and then you can cross those dogs together. So Thunder, our upcoming boy, who is the father of these puppies here, he's the new rising star, if you will, is a smidgen on the higher end. Got a lot of pump, a lot of drive, a lot of go, a lot of heart, all of those things awesome. Now, he does a good job turning it off, but... Um, it's just right there under the surface, ready to ready to come ready on. to roll. Yep, absolutely. So, what I do want to say with that specifically is Clay falls into the category of potentially going to be floated on the bottom side. So, we have a few really nice young females like um, Tricks and Splash. Splash specifically is one that Splash. I'm thinking of with and Hazel. Clay. Yep. They fall into that little bit of extra, and uh, he hopefully, in a couple of years, will be able to tame down some of the females like that to pr- continue to provide that balance. So, yeah. with Clay's series, um, you're going to start seeing a lot of him, and we will do our best to mix in other videos in there, but there's going to be a lot of Clay videos coming up talking about how we develop puppies, all of the steps and all of the things that we do, and... Um, you know, as inclusively as we can give you all of it. It's not a, a lesson one, lesson two, lesson three kind of plan. It is going to go w- it's with more what of we're a putting together. Flow chart. It is. You got to have like you get to the layer one, and these are all the things you need to be doing. Then off of those are all of the individual things that can be worked on um, in, in in sequences. Yeah, sequence. Yeah, absolutely. But it's hard because it's not necessarily you do this first. And we're even talking about that while we're raising him. It's like Ethan went hunting with a buddy, had a quail, was like, I should throw. Oh, shoot. Can't throw this for puppy clay because we need to show it in the video what what his first bird intro is. But I wasn't set up to shoot a video out of the truck while the wind was blowing and it was cold. Yeah. So it's one of those things that. Truly, we are trying to show you everything and in as close to the order that we would progress. But we also make some adjustments and accommodations so that we can show the progress and the progression. And we go, oh, let's let's hold off doing this this minute so that we can show everyone what it actually looks like. Because that's one thing that people seem to enjoy is that, you know, this is the first time the puppies have done what we're showing you they're doing. So you can see us work through things if there's an issue. So... Um, that's Clay. His series is, uh, super fun. It's going to be along the same lines as the last. We're going to just try and fill in the gaps where we've missed stuff and be more inclusive with him going forward. So, uh, the next thing that I wanted to kind of touch on, which is pretty exciting. We are going to be at Pheasant Fest. Now, this is a little ways out yet, folks. It is but March. But it's one of those things that if we don't start talking about it now, then it's like, oh, we haven't mentioned that. And then it's like, next week, we're going to be at Pheasant Fest. So if you guys want to see us, mm-hmm. you don't have much time to plan. So we wanted to start talking about it a little bit ahead of time. And the dates are? March 11th, 12th, and 13th. Now, we have a few... Um, <laughs> don't know what people are saying. Um, 11th, 12th, and 13th. March 11th, 12th, and 13th. That is a weekend. It is in Omaha at one of the downtown convention centers or the downtown convention center. I'm not sure about that. But um, take a look there on just Google search Pheasant Fest 2022. 
And uh, we'll be bopping around a little bit. A lot of the folks that support us uh, are going to be there. I believe, uh, I believe Yukonuba will be there. I believe uh, Kent for sure will be there. DT Systems. Um, Onyx. I'm pretty sure Onyx will be there. And Orvis, I think, will be there. Orvis They've will been be there, there in the past. There's so. some pretty exciting stuff around that that you maybe will know about here soon. But, um, so we're going to be at Pheasant Fest, and because it's in Omaha this year, it's only like five hours from us, so we're not flying, we're driving, and guess what that means, guys? We get to bring a dog. So, but, we want to know. Yeah, we want to know. Who, if you could, if you had the opportunity to come out, and who, which dog would you want us to bring? Which one is the one you want to meet? And I'm going to say that uh, one, one of these puppies down here, not, not happening. Ah, come on, babe. (laughs) Nah. Nah, nah. Too young. Too little. Puppy shock. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I don't think she'll Uh, be back from guiding yet. Sorry. I won't even have puppy shock. Yeah, puppy shock. Puppy shock's learning. Yeah, puppy shock as well as... Thunder. Yeah. Uh, Thunder. Thunder's a good option. Questy pup. Shock. Yeah, it probably won't be shock. It probably won't be Trix or Splash or Hazel because they're all still guiding with a good friend of ours. So the Great American Outdoor Show in February. Mm, I don't know about this, so probably not. Great American Outdoor Show. Where is this at? Google. Ooh, it's a thing. You weren't lying. Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Sounds like fun. I don't know if we'll make it all the way out there. But it's February 5th. Through the 13th. It's a long show. Rex. Oh, poor Grandpa Rex. He's not going to come. He would not enjoy uh, all the activity. It would probably overwhelm him a little bit at this stage. He's super friendly, but, you know, he can't hear worth a darn anymore, like at all. So sometimes you just startle him when you walk up beside him. He's like, oh, geez, didn't even know you were there. So it'd be pretty overwhelming for him to go. Yeah. Or maybe not. I mean, he'd just lay there. Um. Yeah, so we will we will be at the DT Systems booth for a little bit, um, but we're not going to be there the entire weekend. It'll be kind of, uh, we'll do some meet and greet stuff. Uh, you guys can, patrons, anybody can stop by, get some pictures, hang out, ask questions, meet the dogs, and then um, we'll be there. And they'll have like a schedule and a set time that we'll for sure be there, and then there'll be other times. Clay, probably have to bring that little nugget with us. We'll see. Yeah, typically at this stage in the game, young dogs come almost everywhere with us. Allie or Muddy? Well, guys, it won't be Allie. Mm, Surprise. She's going to have babies. Yeah, she'll be be mommying at that point in time, I believe. So, Uh, some some good options. Nobody wants to see Nix, though. Poor Nixer. Aw, poor Nixer. It's okay. It, it would be just after his birthday, too, because his birthday is right in there. We will be, and um, we will we will decide, see, figure out who, but then we'll also post some announcements of kind of where we will be, uh, if you want to come meet and greet. I know that DT was talking about doing some giveaways, so we'll have some information on that coming up. Keep an eye on our social media, Instagram, Facebook, DT Systems, all of those things are going to be posting any of the type of stuff that will happen along with that. 
Um, oh, there's a Oklahoma Outdoor Expo in Edmond. Any and all of them. Yes, all of the dogs. Bring them all. Okay, so I think that is going to be a majority of it. Um, I am super excited about Pheasant Fest. Um, if you haven't been, it is an awesome show. It is Pheasants Forever's um, national banquet. So they do have a dinner and they have the three nights, Friday, Saturday, and or two nights, Friday and Saturday night. And then it's a really big show. Very, very specifically oriented to hunting and pheasants and dogs. And uh, I would say it's one of my favorite shows and it bounces around in different areas. So if you have the opportunity to try and make it work, it's one that I would recommend that you um, that you try and go to. Now, I am uh, sipping on some drinks, running water, uh, runnings water, specifically from the Dakotas left over from guide season. Yeah, baby. I bought uh, 40 cases of water this year. 44 cases of water. It's good. It's just water, though. So, hey, we got a howdy from Olathe. Ah, Don, I'm going to answer this question for you. Curious if anybody ever bred a solid black and a solid liver dog. I'm going to tell you, I would assume someone has. And there's a couple problems slash potential issues that come in with that that are genetic related. So first of all, when you have the solid characteristics, you've got dominant genes. And most of the time, this is going to be a, one of, I don't know if you're familiar with Punnett squares. I've got pieces of paper here, but cat will probably kill me. These aren't actual scratch papers. Oh, they look kind of scratch paper-ish. Okay, so you have the potential to create homozygous solid dogs, which would be puppies that only have the ability to produce more solid dogs. So you would have a, I'm using the letter S, in the form of solid. And then what you end up with is big S, little s, big S, little s. That got a little confusing. But you go big S, big S, big S, little s, little s, little s, and big S, little s. Okay. So you end up with, yep, there it is. You can see in the top corner there, you have big S, big S. And what that means is you have 25% chance that each puppy will be homozygous solid. You have a 50% chance that the dogs will be solid, but carry the recessive gene of not being solid. And then you have a 25% chance that the puppies will in fact be patched and ticked or some combination thereof. Now, when you work through that, you end up with um, those 75% of the puppies most likely are going to be, in fact, solid. For the topic of the evening, we are going to roll right into, we talked about or mentioned in the title, it is um, about a team, okay? Is a team necessary or is a team required in order to train a dog? Now, I want to start um, and say there are 
probably hundreds or thousands of dog trainers that don't have a team. Correct. I'd say that we are probably, our facility is one of the few that does have a team or at least more Um, than. I would say of the few, but definitely the minority. Yeah. I would say most of the time it's one person or two people. Mm -hmm. And we have more than that. Which is important. There's a few different things that we want to touch on um, being the the big ones here. And then we'll go into a little bit of depth about each and individual. I don't believe that a team provides any negative things unless, here gives your big caveat, your team is not on the same page. Okay. So if you're passing uh, dogs around and you have one style and one handle and one set of um, cues or what have you, and then you go to uh, the other side and it's Another like, handler. It's and- a totally different thing. That's going to be inconsistent. That's going to cause confusion. That's going to cause problems. Okay. Because consistency is really important when it comes to dog training. It's arguably the second most important thing when it comes to dog training. Absolutely. Is. Um, now, the next thing is um, switching handlers to match a dog's personality. These are going to be your benefits of having a team. Okay. So switching handlers to match an individual dog's personality, Um, having the ability to play the good cop, bad cop type scenario, Um, and then having multiple handlers, and this was the biggest one we kind of felt like, having multiple handlers allows you to truly um, solidify behaviors and proof or generalize and proof those behaviors as well. The, the dog's ability to do everything. So um, on to the first one that I mentioned, the switching handlers to match personalities. Here at the kennel, we work with a large variety of dogs, large variety of breeds, personalities, um, walks of life they came from, yeah, development and People process. ask us all the time, uh, well, what about... My Brock Francais, how are you going to train my Brock Francais? They're a softer dog, or my Brittany's really soft, or my Griffon's really soft. You know, you guys are short hair trainers, and they're they're a tougher, tougher dog, typically. And they ask, well, do you have experience with softer breeds? Well, sure, we do have experience with softer breeds, and we do have that variety of handlers that allows us to work with those dogs of softer temperaments and match them with the right handler personality, if you will. hundred percent. The other side of that, and this would be just a, a smidge of a, a caveat in that direction, right? Matching the individual personalities is a big part of how our program works and how I believe dog training should be. Um, it was often, it was one time explained to me as dog training is more like cooking than baking. And I think that a lot of people will understand what that means. Um, For those of you that don't, baking requires a very specific set of instructions. You have to have exactly the right amount of the ingredients for it to turn out the the way that it's supposed to. The right temperature, the right time, and it can be affected by things as small as changes in altitude, right? It's a specific, it's an exact quote unquote science um, in the cooking world where cooking itself, right? If you're going to cook something, 
you can add a little of this and a little of that, and maybe it tastes a little different, but it still tastes good, right? Um, that's definitely more the way that dog training is. We have an end goal of dinner, and we need to be able to help the dogs through their path, which each one of them can take a slight different path and still end up near the same place at the end um, or near to their place at the end, all right? Every dog is different. Um, all There's dogs no have ceilings. specific like cookie cutter method that works for all dogs. No, it's a it's a general we have idea. A lot of baking analogies right now. Yeah, there's a um, there's a lot of things that can happen throughout the process that are similar. And what we say is our bag of tricks, right? So I have tried this and this and this and this and this, and those things uh, aren't working for this dog. Let's try this. Or this is the typical path that a dog with that personality and and showing these things through some of the earlier stages, all right, we're going to have to slow this down or we're going to have to speed this up or we're going to have to help this way or that Or we're going to have to come back on our expectations of obedience just a little while we help these dogs gain the confidence that they need in the drive in the field. And then once they realize what their purpose is out there and get more comfortable with that, then you can add that obedience back into the mix without it affecting the field side of things. So it is, it's not a 100%, you know, straight line path. You sometimes have to take some detours and backtrack a little bit to get to where your end goal truly is with some dogs. Which is why we've struggled really, uh, we've struggled a lot to put out a training guide um, because most dogs won't follow the same path. And I want to be able to give you the tools that you need to take your dog to the level that you're hoping, but not, in fact, take them down a path that's not right for them, which is happening. And one of the tools in the bag, and this comes full circle back to what I was talking about, is having the ability to switch handlers based on that individual dog's personality. So me... I am uh, fairly uh, dry, straightforward, not bubbly, and though I can bond well with dogs from a a respect of gaining respect and focus and attention, there are some dogs that are standoffish to that. They're like, "Mm, I don't know about you. I need the puppy party. I need a puppy party, right. And I can attempt to throw one of those. Like, Almost and most scary. of the time I end up scaring myself a little bit. You know, I mean, it's like, whoa, what was that? I have no idea what just came out of me. Um, but it, the dogs can sense that 100% that it's not truly authentic in the sense of being really what it, you know, really what I want to do for them. But that's what they want. Where um, Kat's really good at it. Jess is really good at it. Tessa's really good at it. You've got that. Um, ability to give the dog what they need, which is a different personality to excel. Now, granted, could I get through? Yes. Could it potentially take longer? Yes. Or could it end up being um, one of those situations where the dog doesn't reach their full potential because I either A, don't have the team or B, let my pride get in the way and say, oh, I can do this. No, I just say, you are going to do better with Cat or Jess or whatever. And we just, 
And that isn't a static process though either. So that leads right into good cop, bad cop scenarios, okay? Some aspects of training, especially as you get into more advanced training, can fall into a tier of being um, not so enjoyable sometimes. And I'm not talking about, um, I'm not talking about being tough on dogs or hard on dogs or rough on dogs or... But some dogs truly don't have the same work ethic either. And so they're like... That's it. Training. Like, I don't really love this, but their owners have goals and the dog is truly completely capable of accomplishing those goals. um, And they just don't want to. Like, oh... I really don't want to retrieve this bumper or this bird ever. And surprisingly enough, that happens a lot. Like, I don't want to retrieve this bird. I don't like the feathers. Had a weird situation. Didn't get enough exposures. Puppy. Who knows? Who knows? Just genetically predisposed to not like birds because my mom also didn't or whatever. You know, who, who knows? So all of those things come into play where you sometimes have to. We've talked about this before in training. Um, Stress is a key component in growth. And that falls into all categories of life. Um, some real world examples would be muscles and oh, my muscles weightlifting. Are so sore, right? Yeah. Now. Why are they sore, honey? Because I've been working out for five weeks straight. I'm pretty impressed. But my muscles are still saying, ouch. Like I'm pushing them hard and they are going to grow. But in that process, they kind of hurt. Yeah, and that hurt is uh, the breakdown, right, of muscle fibers. That's from stress. Now, if you push too hard, right, honey, you're going to break something. And breaking, tearing muscles or um, whatever, that takes a really long time to heal. And the same thing would apply to a dog. So if you are stressing too much, um, the dog can potentially, quote, unquote, break and it's going to take a long time to fix that. If you break the dog, you have done long past screwed up. And we talk about that a lot in gun sensitivity issues. You know, a dog comes in that their owner was like, yeah, I kind of noticed that, you know, they weren't real wild about the gunfire. They were paying attention to it. So I, I tried again and then I tried again and now my dog runs back to the truck. And then I took my dog to the gun range and thought if I just tie him out here and do this all day and then we've compounded the problem to the point of breakage. Yeah. I mean, so now you don't have broken. a gun sensitive dog. You have a gun shy dog that that process to fix that takes a lot longer than had you gone. Ooh, I'm seeing some sensitivity here. Let me take a step back, reevaluate my, my training path and, and get there a different way. And that can be sending them off to training. That can be reevaluating your training path, reaching out, seeking some help on Patreon, um, having that you know, other handler that can help, uh, you know, create more excitement around the situation. It, it really depends. Yes. And, um, the next aspect of that good cop, bad cop scenario is going to be when you have those situations that a dog is like, nah, I don't really want to do this. Sometimes just that little bit of push is helpful, but Sometimes that dog can then resent the person that had to give them that push because they didn't want to do it in the first place. And now that they know retrieving, for example, now they know how to go fetch a bird, how to go fetch a bumper. And that can be made back into a game and fun with the good cop and just maintaining the expectation of fetch, hold, no mouthing, no rolling. Um, But it can be 
exciting again and we can turn it back into a fun game. Whereas bad cop typically has a lot bigger struggle to get there to make it fun again, because that dog has, you know, history with that situation. I'll give you all one guess, which cop I get to play most of the time. One guess. One guess. Yeah. Um, but it, all, all jokes aside with that, it's, um, it happened here, uh, very recently that, uh, you know, just says, Hey, I'm, I'm running into this a little bit. Can you help with this? And being able to, being able to bop through that, I get to be the good cop. Sometimes I get to be the bad cop. Sometimes it just depends on the dog and the personality and what is going to be the best fit for their situation. Now, um, last, but very much not least the key to having a team. And I'm going to say, so what are we on? Two, uh, we're coming into our 10th year in business mm-hmm. together. Yes. Yep. Yep. So um, in all of this amount of time, Kat and I started training dogs together, which primarily involved, um, I did these dogs and she did these dogs and there wasn't a lot of crossover. And in a majority of situations, I think I took the brunt of, I took the brunt of the dogs in training as quote unquote mine or whatever, except for when we had situations to hand them back and forth. But all of that was, I worked the dog or cat worked the dog and being able to move into what we have now, which is more folks helping with kennel care and Um, obedience training and repping and the hunting training and being able to work through that team, all being taught, all having the same understanding, the same expectations, even, you know, folks don't, that applied to come work here, don't get it. It's like, okay, I'm going to feed dogs and let them out. Yep, you are, but it's not that simple. And you're going to maintain the training that the trainers have worked so hard to accomplish with these dogs. And that's a huge part of it is that generalizing the training so that the dogs understand that the expectations are the same, no matter who's asking and no matter what the situation, whether it's feeding time, whether it's a let out, whether they're being brought up to the front for a bath, it still is in an obedient manner. We're not ping ponging off the walls and bouncing doors when they're coming up to get a bath, because how do they know the difference between coming up to get a bath, coming up for a training session? Well, we condition that, you know, good behavior, healing, recall, all the things. We let dogs out to go to the bathroom. Well, if they're not listening and recalling well, guess what? We turn it into a training session. Um, we utilize let outs for high distraction environments to maintain and, you know, make sure that those dogs are going to consistently handle in those high excitement environments. So we're able to proof the training um, and generalize it kind of all as a package deal with everyone involved at the kennel from feeding times to let outs to just bringing them up for baths, cleaning. Hey, cleaning, you get a dog kennel run space that needs cleaned. Well, where do you put the dog when you're cleaning? Well, you either have them kennel on their bed or you heal them out and put them in a crate. But all of those things involve expectations of obedience. Yep. And when they come into this environment where the expectation is consistent, and applied across the board with everybody that's here, um, it allows us to move in the right direction. And what I was saying before with the consistency in within the team, 
I can tell you right now, I could take any one of the dogs that Tessa's working or Jess is working or Cat is working, any single one of them that I have not specifically worked with yet, and roll right through and just ask, what does this dog know? List it here. Boom, 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 boom. Take the dog and then follow through with those expectations because it is so uniform, the way that we handle, the way that we interact, the way that we communicate with the dogs. And so that's an important factor. But when you have you have the team, it allows those dogs to start to learn that generalization process, which makes it easier to go home to you. Because they're used to listening to everybody. So going back to listening to mom and dad at home should be fairly simple. And there's that transition process that we go over, obviously, everything at the kennel before their parents take them home. So long story short, folks, uh, a team is very beneficial and I can't imagine going back to training dogs without one. You ready to answer some questions? I am. Do we have anything else on there? No, that's it. Anybody got a question or two? There's a few in here, I think. I thought I saw a super chat earlier, but I think it was just a Merry Christmas thing. Merry Christmas. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. You Merry Christmas as well, and we hope everyone stays safe and has a good time with family and friends. This says, uh, now that peak bird season is winding down, do you work into the cold weather on wild birds? 100%. Um, Basically, we'll run through the entire season, and then once we're out of the seasons that are legal shooting, then we pretty much roll right into... Uh, spring test prep stuff, whether they're puppies or they're adult dogs. I've got a pretty good string of adult dogs this year running through master hunt titles, ideally. And so we just keep, we just keep that engine rolling. Look at that pile of baby puppies. They're They're pretty cute. cute. That's a good litter of puppies. I'm going to say right now, Thunder has produced a couple really nice Really nice litters of puppies. Now, granted, he had good options to breed to. Um, one being Grit. Those puppies are home. And then this being Quest. Quest's got a great personality. Super easy to be around. Uh, question, DT Systems Booth. Yeah, we kind of answered that. We will be there. We'll be here. We'll be there. We'll be everywhere, folks. Everywhere. There's a Oklahoma Outdoor Expo in Edmond, Arcadia. I have to look into that. I am not familiar. On timing or anything of that. I will say, um, I don't know how many seminar, like not seminars, how many shows we will end up going to. Um, Once stuff, it's like this early, early shows we can, March is like right on the edge of where I ain't got time to be gone on the weekend. So Yeah, um, and Honestly, we typically don't go to seminar or you got me saying seminars now. Well, uh, that's because it's the next, the next question. question yeah. yeah. Uh, I typically, we don't go to that many shows unless we get asked to by one of our sponsors or something like that to, to go as well. So, um, any spring seminars in Kansas, we will have to look at the schedule and maybe get one on the books, but the problem try to testing tough time of year is testing. Um, we're going to really rock through a lot of, uh, hunt tests with some of our dogs. Um, this spring pretty much involves almost. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, travel, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, train, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, travel, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, train. 
Yeah. Repeat. Yeah. And when you've got a string of dogs, not just one dog you're campaigning through these hunt tests, you know, some dogs are ready sooner, some dogs are ready late. So sometimes you start going to tests earlier and then some of the dogs take a couple extra tests to get their passes. So it can be a long drawn out process Uh, and a lot of traveling. Yes. Says, um... I have a GSP that's one and a half that's not trained. Where should I start? That's a great question and one I think that gets asked fairly regularly and misunderstood on a regular basis as well. So we get dogs in that are a year and a half or they are two or they are six months or whatever. We start with every single one of them at the same place. Okay. If you look at any of our training series, that is where I would recommend that you start. And if you don't know how to find the training series specifically, you should go to YouTube, search Standing Stone Kennels, click on our channel, go to playlists. Then we have a link for all of the puppy playlist series right there. I think I can even share it to you. But start at the beginning. And then the more that your dog knows, because you say not trained, your dog is definitely definitely knows something. Yeah, right? I'm sure you've asked your dog to sit. Your dog knows how to come, things like that. So start at the beginning, but you're going to progress pretty quickly, uh, especially because the other side of progressing quickly, even if you literally told me, yeah, your dog doesn't know how to sit, your dog doesn't know how to recall, but a year and a half old dog also has the mental maturity to handle training sessions, longer training sessions, more in-depth training sessions, whereas when you start with an eight-week-old puppy, their attention span is pretty darn short. So we accomplish a lot less in the same amount of time. So that's something too to consider is you've got a, you know, mature, ready to train dog. Ethan with the bad accents again, coming at you all night. I will be here for well, a little while night. Not all night. The places to hunt out East, like around New York, New Jersey area. Um, yes, there definitely are. I have no experience in this, so I cannot help you. No, and I know a lot of people out east mention, you know, like wild pheasants and stuff are really tough to come by, so they do some hunting preserves and things like that. WMA is in New Jersey. Absolutely. Is the live paused? It was It was momentarily for a while, for a little Mm bit. Pause, pause, pause. Something in the kennel. Yes, sure. Dogs will be dogs. All right. Here's a question. It says, um, can I use an e-collar on my puppy's abdomen for things other than woe training? Okay. So the answer would be yes, but I would not recommend it. Um, we specifically use a belly collar for one thing, which is to stop and stand there. Um, because it's really good at teaching that. If you incorporate it into other things, it will be more confusing as well as um, the collar on the belly. When they feel stimulation, it actually almost forces them to stop and stand still. So if you're using it for anything else other than stopping and standing still, it's going to send mixed signals. So I would steer clear of that utilizing it just for woe training related. Um. There you go. You've got a guide right in here. Hit that uh, Angelo. Shoot him a message or something like that. Um, uh, going to game farms. Anyone know of... We need some 
Onyx map sharing. Here's my my spots where I find birds. <laughs> so can I brag now? One of the puppies is mine. Mm, lots There's of a couple puppies. people on here, I think, that uh, are getting one of these puppies. I saw Zach was on here earlier. Oh, uh, thank you for all the content. Oh, here's, yeah. Th- Just, is that what you were reading? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, from Operator Zaz. Hey guys, I just wanted to say thank you for all the amazing and helpful videos you put up. Just put down a deposit on a litter due in January. Congrats on your upcoming puppy. Uh, Nervous for my work schedule and fitting in training. So that is a common question slash concern. Did you talk about it in Clay's first video or his second video? Yeah, in the first video. I think in the first one. Uh, I don't know. Where we talked about, you know, you're bringing home a new puppy. You're bringing home a dog and though they're going to mature much faster than like a newborn baby or something would, uh, you are going to have to make some adjustments to your schedule and have, you know, realistic expectations in the sense of they're obviously look at these guys. They've been in here for what an hour. There's multiple little pea potty spots. They're going to have, you know, less bladder control. So crate training is going to be one of those things that it's not going to be 100% perfect for an eight hour work day where your puppy's not going potty inside their crate. So you got to think about making some adjustments to that. Um, And then for a training schedule, more peeing, like we just talked about. Um, for a training schedule, you can work that in easily with mealtime. So puppy has to eat in the morning, puppy has to eat in the evening. So work that into your training, um, regimen. And then obviously, are you trying to do more than just pee? No? Okay, sugar. Um, she said that was me. That's my name. Uh, so then you also (laughs) need to make sure that you have, Plenty of, you know, physical exercise and activity as well as that mental stimulation too with puppies. But it can be done. We uh, have trained a Vishla before. Multiple yeah, Vishlas. Lots of them. We have a Vishla in right now. Roxy. Vishla. And she's doing really great. No, I'm just teasing. She's so, doing really, really well. Uh, everybody says that. Like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't have a short hair. Come on now. There's lots of good bird dogs out there. And short hairs aren't for everyone. I mean, I've talked to people that, you know, a short hair would not be a good fit for their, their family and their situation. So... Here's a question. Super chat. Thank you for that. Uh, any advice on how to safely increase a GSP's running distance from puppyhood and how to protect their paws on pavement and trails? So it's kind of a slow process, a conditioning process, just like for people. I mean, I'm not going to go out and run a marathon tomorrow. Uh, you have to build up to it. And that includes conditioning their pads and paws. Uh, some harder surfaces type of gravelly, sandy areas is going to help uh, condition those pads gradually. You can't go out and run them on gravel for an hour and think that their paws are going to be okay. But, you know, starting them on, you know, short walks and things like that to help condition those pads and toughen them a little bit. And then um, building up the amount of exercise with puppies. One thing that we get asked a lot is, you know, like how much exercise can my puppy do? I got an email the other day that um, somebody was very concerned about how much exercise was okay. And there's like a rule of thumb about like how many minutes per month that your puppy is. And I'm like, well, I've never done anything like that, but mostly I kind of let the puppy set the pace. You know, if puppy starts going on a free run and gets tired, we're going to head back to the house. We're not going to be like, no, you must finish this walk. You know, it's well, puppy's getting tired. We're going to adjust our, our training, you know, free run next time, but just keep, 
keep increasing the amount of time that they can can work for. We're not going to harness them. We're not going to road them, things like that. If they're going to walk on the treadmill, it's not going to be on an incline. Um, just, just really easy, low-impact things as a puppy. That's the ticket, is preventing large amounts of resistance. The resistance is what's going to be the difference. Now, granted, can you damage a puppy's growth plates and stuff if you were overdoing it? Yes. What is that magic number? I don't know. It, uh, it comes down to the level of conditioning too, but it's not, honestly, it's not something that I have ever considered or worried about with a young puppy. Take them, let them walk and run at their pace. And, um, you know, as much as they're kind of willing to do, and then fall into that tier of trying not to push much beyond that, like Kat was saying. But it's um, it's a very common question. It's a very common concern. And it's not something that we've really had to pay attention to much outside of the resistance aspect of things. We don't road anybody under a year and uh, try and prevent that even beyond that. You know, 18 months to two years is when I really start adding dogs to the roading regiment because that is pulling and lots of resistance. And then same thing with the treadmill, no incline, just flat surfaces so that it's less, less, uh, resistance impact, whatever. Yes. Perfect. Go ahead. What do we have here? Oh, this one was a good one. I think this is a good one. And then maybe have time for one more after this. said, I'd love to hear Kat talk about being a woman in this profession. Oh, that's a very broad topic, Kelly. Oh, come on. Um, um I would say that in general, um, hunting dog training is a fairly male-dominated profession, if you will. At least um, it has in the past. I think that that is shading a little bit more towards women becoming more involved with hunting, becoming more involved with dogs and training and stuff. But I think if we really got down to the nitty gritty, there's still a predominantly male population doing this. So at times I definitely have felt that men want Ethan to answer their questions or want to interview Ethan for a podcast or for an article. And uh, it's interesting because let's face it, folks, I have a face for radio. Uh, but you know, we, we share in a lot of the same experiences. We have a lot of similar training, um, experiences and opinions. So, and I'm just more well-spoken than him. No, just kidding. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, so I would say that there's a little bit of that, uh, discrepancy from a male, female standpoint, but I think that it's getting better, um, towards more females becoming involved in dog training, hunting, that sort of thing. Uh, I also think that there's a need for women to get out there and be mentors to other women that uh, are interested in getting into dog training and hunting specifically. And uh, it always makes me happy when I find out about women that are like, I didn't know about this. And then I watched your videos and that was so cool. You know, like even as far as like clothing to wear, when you don't know where to start, you don't know where to start. Um, And that can be as far as like what kind of hunting gear should I wear for upland hunting? What kind of, um, you know, collar should I get to train my dog with, you know, where should I leave and look for birds? So it's kind of cool when people watch, um, the videos and watch things that we put out and are able to get started. 
wasn't that long ago. I mean, in all honesty. Sugar. Sorry. She just had like this big monster yawn. She's the spunk one of the bunch there, isn't she? Tonight she she is. That's funny. Um, It wasn't too terribly long ago, I mean, that I was in the same boat. I was not, nor was Kat, born and raised into this um, dog training life. Um, Picked it up in college. Thought it would be cool to have a dog. Realized didn't know anything about dog training. And I'm a stubborn SOB and said, I'll figure this out. Realized that um, I had a lot to learn. I'm a quick study. Love uh, and probably a bit of a, I I don't want to say addict, but things consume my brain and that is well yeah i (laughs) actually refrained from talking about pigeons because i thought that you were going to give me a hard time about it so (laughs) um but the you know whatever it is i dive in head first i take it all in and do everything and i did we took a huge leap from a stable um, job and situation and whatever and went and said i'm going to become a dog trainer and started working for someone knowing nothing. They took me in as a poop scooper. And then I helped from the the media aspect of things with website and videos and whatever else. And was able to work my way up through that process. Putting every second of every day that I wasn't um, sleeping, eating, or had something pressing to do. Uh, chasing my dog around. And spending extra time at the kennel and doing all of the things, just everything, everything I could absorb to learn how to do it. So I 100% understand that not being able to find things, you know, and not knowing the questions to even ask. Um, And with pigeons, it's even harder. Like you go to, well, what should I be doing with this? Or There's no videos. There's no books. There's, I, I, Ended up buying a book from 1968 to talk about how to, you know, it's like, what this doesn't even, it's not really hardly applicable anymore. You know, I mean, we need information out there, which is what kind of drove us to really push into this and do our best not to skip over those little things, you know, and say, hey, this is what I'm wearing. This is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. Even to the extent of, um, we shot a video this, uh, it's been a few years now, that I utilize Onyx Maps, right? We're in and Montana. show, yep, yep, and show the here. I've got the app out. I went to here. Look, this is where we hunted. If you want to go hunt it, I found birds in this back corner, right? I, whatever. Go have fun. And this is why we chose to hunt this spot. I think that that gets overlooked a lot, too, is yeah. what makes a thousands Spot, and thousands of acres out there. A good Why choice to one? try and, and work it because of the cover available and there's water nearby and these crops are in and these crops are out and things like that. But I would say in, in I saw a couple other comments come up too, um, that there's lots of women in Navda and AKC testing. Uh, sure there are. And I think that, like I said, there are more and more becoming more involved and that's awesome and that's what we want to see. I also think that sometimes women have to, they feel like they have to either put on a show to, to compare with the men, like 
be rough and gruff around the edges and stuff like that. And I think that women that maintain professionalism, you know, as far as like how they talk about things, their speech, um, is more appropriate. Um, well, whether quite men a few or of women. them, I mean, quite a few of them, like you said, it's almost like it's an overcompensation like they got I, something order to, to be, prove. Yeah, maybe. I've got to be rougher and tougher than the guys. Well, I can tell you right now, I am not the rough and tough guy, if you will, um, that I'm trying to be out roughed and toughed by somebody. And that's not all women, but there are a few that are that way. I feel like that's what they have to do to fit in. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that that can go both ways that, you know, there's men out there like that have to put on a show too. So mm, in my opinion, true. just yeah, being a, right. As a professional, being professional um, is really important um, to me because the information age that we are in, you know, can can come back to bite you in the butt later if you get on social media and you type up this whole thing or you, you have a video out there um, that you should be careful about what you're putting out there and make sure that you want to be remembered for saying those things in the future, I guess. 100%. But somebody asked me what pants, Orvis, Upland women's pants have been the best um, for me. I think their Missouri break is the the brand, like the style. Missouri breaker. Breaks. Missouri Missouri breaks. I'm pretty sure. I could... I could Google it really quick. I tried the Proist ones. The Proist ones are very comfortable, but they yeah. do not hold up quite as well. Um, they're very stretchy, so they have a little bit of, like, give to them, uh, but they aren't as tough from, like, brush pant style, whereas those Orvis ones really are, and I've been very happy with Orvis stuff. Uh, there are not a lot, a ton of women upland options out there, so Orvis has done a good job, and I... I've been really happy with everything that they put out. I really like it. We got one more super chat here. Okay. And then we'll probably call it an evening. I appreciate you all sticking with us and the folks that have been here um, with the interruption midway. Now, it says here, Chris said, how close to the size um, of the breed standard is my two-year-old female GSP that has stalled out at a healthy 45 pounds? Um the bottom end. Okay. And there is no true issue with that, but I believe that breed standard is 45 to 55 pounds for a female. Um, though we try and stay within that breed standard, we have a couple females that would fall quote unquote outside of breed standard. Um, on the bigger end, on the slightly bigger end. And for a while we had towards the smaller end and it's a, Everything's a balance act. You know, you you continue to breed smaller and smaller dogs, you get pocket pointers. And then you get you, the other shade the other direction and you've got, you know, these giant 70, 80 pound short hairs that mm-hmm. um, weren't meant to be 70 or 80 pounds. It is Missouri breaks. Missouri breaks. Yep. Yeah, they're, um, they're good stuff. They are going to be for uh, 2022. In case you didn't know, we have an online store, standingstonesupply.com, and we sell everything that we can get a hold of that we use and recommend. Um, skipped my super chat. Where did what? we miss your super chat? Sorry, at? let's scroll up and see. Oh, we did. We did. I'm sorry. sorry. 
How to prolong puppy staying in one spot without an e-collar and listening better without treats. Thanks for calling us on that. I totally missed it. And that was, was not intentional. How to prolong puppy staying in one spot. So one thing that we like to utilize with place training with our puppies specifically is free shaping. Um, things that you can free shape with your dog that ends up being their idea. Um, is a lot stronger behavior. So if your puppy goes to their bed and gets rewarded for going to their bed and they do it again and you reward them again and this gets repeated and conditioned, they're going to want to exhibit that behavior. They're kind of like gamblers. They're little gamblers. And they're like, hey, this has worked in the past to win me some treats. I'm going to see if I can do this again. And so they're going to offer up that behavior a lot more consistently and willingly and freely because it was their idea to begin with. um, And you've conditioned that that is a good thing to do. So that's one way to increase um, the behavior being offered more often. Then like with any behavior, you can extend the amount of time that the dog can stay there by um, holding that click. So when we're, you know, place training, we're clicker training, they get on the bed, we mark that behavior. Well, now we want them to stay longer on the bed. So you hold the click because the click not only marks the behavior we're looking for, but it also ends the behavior we're looking for. So if you click, well, then they're done and they can get off the bed. So if we wait, then click. And again, it's a slow progression um, to extend that amount of time, but giving them treats and chew bones and things like that to help them feel more comfortable there. Uh, We do that as well from the beginning on with all of our puppies like, hey, you want to chew on this little bone? Let's do it on your dog bed so that we make this dog bed a very important part of um, their lives. You know, they get fed on their dog bed, they get treats on their dog bed, uh, they get training sessions incorporating their dog beds and platform style dog beds work really well because there's that really distinct boundary of being on the bed and then taking that step and being off the bed. And I think that that also helps, you know, those soft-sided pillowy style beds. It's easy for puppies to, you know, roll around, ooze and melt off like these guys are melting, you know, into the floor. And then, um, and then they end up just oozing off of that dog bed and they don't even know it. Um, now ultimately positive reinforcement based training will work up to an extent. And then to truly be able to hold them accountable, especially with high distraction environments and, um, very independent puppies and dogs, it's going to benefit you to utilize an e-collar to continue reinforcing. Yeah. I don't know why it's saying temperatures too hot, too cold. Mm -hmm. It's too hot. Puppies have been videoed for too long, it says. Camera's getting warm. But um, I don't know if you have anything specifically against using e-collars. E-collars used properly are a very um, important training tool. Um, Just like any training equipment can be used improperly, though. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yep. Puppy Just getting there. The A1's got a little problem with it. So I hope they come out with a new iteration. But anytime we shoot video for an extended period of time, which this is all, it's been running a long time. Yeah, but. almost an hour and a half, two hours now. Yeah. So. Perfect. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and with us And we hope evening. you have a very, very Merry Christmas. Absolutely. And um, I had started to mention before we realized, thank you again for mentioning it. Don't ever let us skip those, okay? Um standingstunsupply.com. We've got everything that we use and recommend. 
should definitely check it out. If you are looking for some of the things that we mentioned in our videos, we are continuing to try and add to those. And my goal is to include some hunting related gear without having an insane amount of different sizes and stuff like that. Some of the more universal type things like hunting vests or whatever else. Yep. Things that could be less sizes and more Less size specific. Yep. But we'll be doing our best to continue to update that and provide everything that we can with you guys um, or everything that we can for you guys in one place. If you have questions, recommendations, need anything at all, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm the guy with the pink gun. I'm Kat the dog trainer. We'll see you in the next video.